first of all, he will around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia live show. I am your host, Billy Powell. You are either watching this on our YouTube channel, the Keeping the Nostalgia live show, or you're listening on Keeping the Nostalgia live. That's all one word, keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. As you can tell, uh, my guest today, uh, I think this is my fourth Major League Baseball interview, and they, they keep getting better. Uh, as you can see with us is a, a 13-year Major League Baseball veteran, batted over 300 um, uh, for his career, has a, a 1990 Cincinnati Reds World, Champion, World Series championship ring. They went wire to wire that year. What a great season that was. Uh, is Hal Morris. Hal Morris, thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, to help keep the nostalgia alive and talk about baseball, basketball, and maybe we'll toss a little tennis in there. Well, thank you for inviting me to chat, Bill. I appreciate it. So, so you're originally from Alabama. How did you make it to Indiana? Well, my, my dad was in the service, uh, and he was stationed at, at Fort Rucker, which is right outside of Mobile, Alabama. Um, and when he left uh, Fort Rucker, this was when I was uh, a year old. Um, my sister was two years old. Uh, uh, he relocated. He and my mom they moved to Munster, um, and uh, my my uh, you know my mom's still my dad passed away a few years ago. My mom is still there, so she she's been in Munster for 54 years now. You know, as soon as you said Munster, everybody started humming the theme song. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, uh, when I t- tell people I'm from Munster uh, that are outside of this from outside of Indiana, they think Muncie, um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, monster. Uh, definitely, I get a lot of uh, uh, well, uh, thoughts about uh, Herman Munster and the. In the that show. <laughs> do you do you still have any kind of? Do you enjoy Alabama football, or you, just because you were born there, do you get to claim that, or it's a? Mm? I claimed it for a long time, uh, and it's funny because I I uh, I went to Michigan and. Um, I really did not like Michigan when I was growing up, and I was a huge Alabama fan. Uh, this is back when Bear Bryant was the was the coach. Um, but once I went to school in Ann Arbor, my my allegiances had to shift. Uh, so so I am a I'm a, a a a true blue Big Ten fan. So I I root for any Big Ten team, uh, but hopefully Michigan. <laughs> awesome. Um, what sport did you really first? start really getting heavily involved in was it uh was it in, in any of the ones that you were really successful in baseball basketball or tennis or did you enjoy football what did you kind of tinker with before uh, uh getting um good at any particular one well i uh 
I think baseball. I, I uh, picked up a bat when I was two years old and started swinging a bat, and my dad started to pitch me when I was, was three, I believe. And I always enjoyed playing baseball more than anything else. But uh, back then, back in the, in the late 60s and 70s, you know, uh, we would come home from school and we would play whatever we could based upon the weather, uh, you know. So we would play uh, football and basketball in the fall, uh, a, a little tennis. Then, then once it got too cold, we'd play basketball uh, if we could find, you know, find a, a court inside. But then we'd oftentimes we'd play hockey if we could freeze our backyards. Um, and then we got around to the spring, we started playing baseball. So was, a lot of it was seasonally dependent, but we played anything and everything. What baseball team did you first fall in love with? Well, growing up there in Munster, you know, I was probably uh, 20, probably less than 25 miles away from Comiskey Park. So uh, I uh, watched the White Sox whenever I could, but I also watched the Cubs too. Um, you know, this is pre-cable. So the, 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 the Cubs were on WG and the White Sox were on Channel 44. Um, which was a, a, a UHF station, I think. But, but, but uh, anyway, whatever game was on, I would watch. And at that time, Harry Carey was announcing for the White Sox, he and Jimmy Pearson. That was always interesting. So my dad used, and I used to get a big bang on to listen to those two. It's, uh, um, it's Chicago sports is interesting. Were you a Bears fan also? At, 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 for sure. I, I remember uh, Gail Sayers vividly uh, from my uh, youth. Uh, I can remember Dick Butkus, uh, Mike Buffone was a great linebacker, um, but I remember all those guys. And I also was a, was a, was a uh, I could tell you, discussed the, the Bulls back at that time and also the Blackhawks. So, uh, so, so being there from the Kaima region, you, you tend to root for the, for the Chicago teams. You know, it's interesting how time goes by because, you know, Indianapolis at that time, you're growing up, you know, just had the Indianapolis Indians, which was a triple-A ball club of the Cincinnati Reds. You know, Indianapolis has gotten a little bit bigger in sports with Pacers being halfway decent and, of course, the Indianapolis Colts. But, you know, it's, you know, growing up in Indianapolis, you know, it's just far enough that I, I never was a Chicago sports fan. Yes. I, I, it's funny. Although I lived in Indiana, you know, we always you just assumed you were part of Chicago. Um, but that being said, uh, we uh, watch Indiana and Purdue basketball pretty closely. You know, my dad was, my dad was always, although he went to school at Davidson and medical school at uh, North Carolina, he was a big fan of the Big Ten. So we were always watching, uh, again, when the games were on TV, we loved to watch, watch IU and Purdue, the, the, the basketball team. Uh, Katie or Knight? Uh, well, I, I'm partial to, 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 to Knight. The reason being, uh, I got the chance to meet him in Cincinnati um, he and Tony LaRussa uh, are good friends, and uh, he would come down when St. Louis was playing, and he would, uh, you know, watch the Cardinals take batting practice. So one day as I'm walking out uh, to, to, to hit, there's Bobby Knight, and uh, Tony introduced me to him, and it was really one of the um, oh, biggest uh, thrills of my life to get to meet and chat with him for a while. You don't realize how big he is. You know, he was a big man. He put his arm around me, and uh, I felt like I was, you know, a ten-year-old. It was, it was a real thrill. Do you remember what he said to you? I, I do. I, I remember the conversation vividly because, you know, he told me. He said, "Hal, listen, um, 
you're the type of player I'd like to have on my team. And uh, I, I, I tell you, it was uh, uh, that was one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten. You know, Pete Rose told me uh, at one point in time they thought I could really hit, and that was a huge compliment. And then, and then when Bobby Knight told me he'd love to have me on, on his team, uh, that, you know, that, that sent chills down my spine, boy. When did you pick up the game of basketball and how did you fall in love with the game of basketball? You know, uh, most of my shows are about high school basketball or six degrees of separation of basketball in the state of Indiana. Uh, and uh, you were an outstanding uh, uh, a basketball player for Munster. And, uh, but, but where did that kind of evolve? Or is it one of those things when we were a kid that we played what we could play? Well, you know, uh, again, growing up, uh, we, we uh, played a lot of basketball in the neighborhood. But like I said, I, we, we, my dad and I um, uh, really loved uh, watching college basketball. And uh, in, in addition, uh, a very good uh, friend of ours, uh, Jack Yerkes, Jack was uh, uh, an assistant coach at the high school at Munster. And this is when um, Mike Copper was a coach at, at, at Munster for a couple, for, for, from like 1972 through 77, 78, I think. And he eventually went to Warren Central. Now, Mike, Mike Copper, I think his claim to fame is he has the national uh, high school record for consecutive free throws made when he was at Valparaiso, 400 and, over 400 free throws, as I recall. Wow. But uh, uh, they used to let me tag along. Uh, Andy Yerkes, who's a year older than me, and I would go and we would get to watch the high school team practice and we would get to uh, go to, go to games with them occasionally. This is when I was, uh, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old. And that was, that was a big thrill because Munster had a good team. They were ranked number one in the state. And I think in 1976, um, they had a center by the name of Ray Comandella who eventually went to Evansville and, and tragically was killed in the plane crash. Um, but they had a heck of a team and, um, so, so I, I was a big fan of, of, uh, watching them. Um, and I really love basketball. What, um, and, and did, did you, in your professional basketball, you, did you enjoy the bulls or it was more about college basketball? Well, uh, I, I love the bulls. I, you know, back then, um, this is when, uh, Norm Van Leer and Jerry Sloan were the guards. They had Tom Bur Burwinkle to the center, uh, Chet Walker, uh, Bob Love. They had a really interesting team. I think they got to the to the uh, to the conference championships, or they or they lost in the in the in the, in the NBA finals. Maybe the Phoenix one year, um, but uh, they were a really fun team to watch. So I watched them a lot. But but also uh, obviously the the great Indiana teams back then. Um, Michigan had a good team too. When when Indiana beat when IU beat uh, beat Michigan in the championship game when Michigan had Ricky Green. Um, but uh, also DePaul at that time, it, you know, this was is that the, the, the DePaul program was ascending and they got all these great players from Chicago, Mark McGuire. And you know, this is, this was a little later, uh, but Terry Cummings and Teddy Grubbs and, and Clyde the Glide Brat, all these guys. Um, so uh, there was a lot of fun basketball to watch. Uh, Ray Meyer kind of got a bad rap because he could never either a win the big one or b he was a uh, took an early exit uh, occasionally with a, a really good DePaul Blue Demon team. Yeah, you know the the, the tournaments are uh, uh, you know uh, it, it's it's uh, you know they're, they're, it, it's highly variable who's going to win those things you know and and you get into these single elimination tournaments it's it's tough 
but I tell you, they had a, they were DePaul had a really fun team to watch, and it, and it was great because all these guys came right out of Chicago. Most ninety percent of that team was from Chicago, so you, you'd read about these guys before they went went there, um, and then uh, it was it was fun to follow them as well. Uh, tell us about getting interested in tennis. Well, uh, my dad and I used to play tennis when I was uh, when I was younger, and uh, um, when the baseball season ended, I would oftentimes go to, to some, uh, uh, there was a tennis camp there that a guy by the name of Sid Rothstein ran that it was kind of a full day camp. So in retrospect, I think it was a little bit of, of like, it gave my mom a chance, a little break from looking after me and my, and my uh, brother and sister. We'd go to the camp all day long. And uh, um, I, I learned how to play a little, uh, a little bit at that point in time. So I always enjoyed playing tennis. Um, actually I played football. I was a quarterback until I broke my arm in eighth grade. And, uh, then my, my dad and I, at that time, there was no arthroscopic surgery. You know, if you hurt your knee, you were pretty much, you were, you, you your career was really going to be, your athletic career was going to be, uh, affected. So, uh, we decided that, that, uh, I would just play tennis instead of playing, playing football. Um, cause I, you know, again, I, uh, I had anticipated playing football in high school, but but Munster actually had a really good tennis team. We were in the, in the top 10 in the state all the time. So uh, I played doubles for four years and I really enjoyed it. Oh, I hear your home security system. Yeah, exactly. I tell you what, I'm, I'm glad that he's awake. That's unusual. <laughs> <laughs> that same thing. I had Rudy Tomjanovich on the show and uh, his dog started barking. He goes, oh yeah, hey, that's my security system. I just want to oh, apologize. Um, so being so good in so many sports, when did, I know it's, it was different back then. Of course, it was way different back in the 60s and 70s. But, you know, in, in the 80s, what was it like being recruited? Um, how many offers did you receive? Do you remember your first initial offer? And did it, would, you know, and we know we went to the University of Michigan, won a Big Ten Championship in 84 and 86. But what, uh, what all went into that choosing? And, and I know this is a long question. And was it a pain in the butt? Well, it's funny. Um, uh, I I think I probably got recruited more to play basketball than I did baseball. And 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 with with baseball, most teams wanted me to pitch. <laughs> so uh, I think I was self-aware enough. You know, like I I I, I was a, a decent basketball player. I was I was competent, but but I knew I didn't. Uh, I had weaknesses in my game. Not to not to discuss what they were, but I was left-handed. My right hand was very limited. I knew that, you know, because I focused mainly on on baseball. Um, but uh, on the baseball side of things, more people wanted me to pitch. And I knew I wasn't a good – I didn't think I was a good pitcher either, which in retrospect was true. Um, so uh, I frankly didn't get a ton of uh, – recruited a ton by baseball teams to, to, to play first base and to hit. Um, so – I was actually going to go to Davidson College. Uh, my dad had played baseball and football there, um, and I was going to play basketball and baseball at Davidson. I was going to play baseball, and then also, you know, uh, I talked to the basketball coach, and they, they wanted me to come play for them too. Um, but the focus was going to be baseball. Um, but I got the opportunity to play in uh, every year. There's an Indiana All-Star game that they play in Jasper, and I got the opportunity to play in that game. Uh, and it's a series of games, three games. And I, and I went and I played, I, I played very well. I, I think I was eight for nine or nine for 10. 
uh, I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever hit that well in my life. So at the end of that, um, I actually had the opportunity. So some, some of the, uh, I, at that point, school started to approach me, but this is late in the year. This is like early August. Schools have already started. Um, so my dad and I, we had visited Michigan the fall before uh, because we didn't know a lot about college baseball, but um, Michigan had been in the College World Series the year before, and they were, I think, considered the best team in the Midwest at that time. And we went up and we watched the team practice. Um, and uh, as an aside, I always laugh. I tell people the day my dad and I went up there, we, we were sitting up there in the stands on the third, third base side of the, of the uh, stadium, and we're watching these guys drill. And, and I looked at my dad and I said, I said, Dad, I don't know, the Big Ten, this is, I don't know if I could play in this league. This is, these guys are pretty darn good. Well, we were sitting there watching Chris Sable and Barry Larkin. <laughs> and and uh, when you watch Larkin at that age, there's, I, I can't describe how uh, kind of electrifying an athlete he was at that time. It was just, it was jaw-dropping. But uh, anyhow, because I played so well in that tournament, I, uh, I, I said, Dad, I think I'd like a, ch- I'd like a chance to play in a bigger conference. And uh, uh, he, said, he said, great. So we called up the coach of Michigan. And I said, hey, coach, I'll, I'll walk on if you give me a room. I had applied. I had gotten into school. I was, all, I was all set. He said, deal. So he got me a room. Uh, and I walked on. I was kind of, you know, he knew, he knew who I was. Um, but, uh, but that's how he ended up in Ann Arbor. And then I had to call up people at Davidson and explain that uh, I, I was making a change. There's not very much difference weather-wise from Ann Arbor and Munster. Would you would you say, or would you think it's a little bit colder, more snow, or almost the same? You know, uh, it's it actually it might even be more mild in, in Ann Arbor. You know, uh, I, I you know we're close to the lake there in Munster, but but it's essentially the same weather. You know, when it's 50 degrees, I'm coming from Houston, Texas, but I was born and raised in Indianapolis for the first 25 years of my life. You know, when it gets 50 degrees in Houston, I'm wearing shorts uh, and people are looking at me like I'm nuts and crazy, you know, and we did the same thing in Indiana. It's 50 degrees or 40 degrees. You got shorts on, you're shooting baskets. There's still maybe ice on the basketball nets. So you really didn't have to, you really were already in that cycle of cold and playing baseball. Yeah. The the, the weather never bothered me. It's funny. It's going to be 45 degrees today and I might go out and try to play golf. Um, and my wife looks at me like I'm crazy. Um, but, uh, uh, no, uh, I, the weather, that wasn't a big adjustment. It's funny throughout the course of my career, uh, the, what, the, the cold weather never bothered me. And I actually, uh, Candlestick Park, uh, I think I, I hit better there than any place in the league or, or as good there as I did anywhere else. Uh, and guys hated to play in there because it was cold and it was windy. But it never really bothered me. It's funny. We played uh, my, my uh uh, sophomore year, we played a doubleheader against Indiana in Ann Arbor in, in the snow. We played, they had, to, they had to clear the snow from the infield for us to play, and yet we played out there for six hours. And it's the coldest I've ever been in my life. And, and, and since that particular day, the cold affects me even less. <laughs> um, tell us about those, you know, those Michigan years. Of course, when the Big Ten Championship in 84, and I think you guys went to the World Series, uh, the uh, um, uh, College World Series in 85? We won in 84. Uh, yes, we won in 84. We won the Big Ten 84-86. Did not win it in 85, but we our be- the best team we had was when I was there in 85. Um, we had 
over the course of the three years, I think seven big league players on those teams and another uh, 10 to 15 that played in AAA and, and another 15 that played pro ball. We, we, we really had a special team. Um, uh, but uh, my sophomore year, we were um, loaded. Um, we started off the year 26-0, and 0, but we didn't win the Big Ten tournament. You, know, you get in these tournaments, and things can happen. And they ended up sending us to the, to the uh, Southeast Regional in Starkville, Mississippi. And we um, get beat by uh, New Orleans. Wally Whitehurst is pitching from New Orleans, who pitched for the Mets later. And we get in the loser's bracket. And we come back, and, and we run the table, and the Mississippi State beats us. We had to beat them twice. We beat them the first game. But they had that team. They had uh, Rafael Palmero, Will Clark, Bobby Thigpen, Jeff Brantley. They they were they you know they had four big uh, all stars on that team and another bunch of other great players. And that's some of the best baseball I've ever seen played. And and uh, people always ask me about my best the, the greatest experiences I've had in, in in the game of baseball. And um, obviously playing in the, in the in the World Series, the Major League World Series, was, was a thrill. But that series down there in Starkville was was probably the most exciting baseball I've ever seen because here we were kind of like two heavyweights slugging it out down there. Um, and what a, you know, the, I think that that ballpark it, it it had about a capacity of five thousand people, and they had twenty thousand people out there. <laughs> what was travel? Compare travel when you played college baseball, and then uh, to what you did in the big leagues. So, so uh, we were. Uh, Playing in the Big Ten, we, we would play, uh, at the time, there was an East Division and a West Division. Our division, we had Michigan State, uh, Ohio State, uh, Indiana, Purdue, and us. Um, so, so we would play doubleheaders, two doubleheaders um, on Friday and Saturday, as I recall. So we would, we would go, if we were going to play in Bloomington and West Lafayette, we would, we would drive down there on Thursday night. Um, and then, um, otherwise, we would typically play, uh, play a doubleheader. Um, in Ann Arbor during the week, and, and, and typically we hosted. The teams from around Michigan would come, like to play at our ballpark, so we would play Grand Valley State and, and, and those type of clubs in Ann Arbor. So the travel wasn't too bad. Um, big league travel is 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 much different. Um, you know, we would take 11 road trips a year, with typically three um, stops on each road trip, two or three stops on the road trip, and. Uh, um, you know, you're, you get spoiled, uh, it, 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 you know, with the travel there in the big leagues because it, it essentially your bus takes you out to the tarmac. You, ha you walk up on your plane and, they, and then you take off uh, 20 minutes later. Uh, you land, the bus is sitting there for you, the, the bus takes you right to the hotel. So it, they do make it very easy to travel. The, the challenge, uh, the difference and the challenge about uh, playing in the uh, all over the country is, are the different time zones. So we would go and play a three-game uh, uh, or, or a three-game series uh, uh, in San Francisco, then three in San Diego, then or three in LA. We usually go out there for to play nine games with one day off out there. So you become acclimated to that time zone, and then you come back to Cincinnati, which is on the Eastern time zone. And a few days later, you're playing a businessman special at 12:35, and you're out there literally, you know, trying to wake up. Um, and it, it, that, that you kind of get whiplashed. So uh, that's the big difference. It, it, the travel itself it, it wasn't, wasn't a problem just because how, how, how well they treated us and how easy they made it. 
it was just the, the, the changing time zones and playing games at it, it, it all, all, it all different hours. You know, baseball has become your focus while you're at Michigan. You, you, do you still pick up some uh, uh, pickup basketball games? You still pick up tennis racket and play some tennis? Is that something you did to keep in shape, or was it all just about baseball at that point in time? Oh, no. Uh, no. Uh, we, when I was in Ann Arbor, you know, we used to go, and we'd go to the intramural building, the basketball team, and we would try to run that basketball court, as, as, you know, for a long time. And as long, it, we, were, we were good. We would play down there – whenever we could, as long as the coaches didn't find out we were playing. Um, but when they found out, they were not happy with us. But it was funny. We, we would go down there and, and we, would, we would run that court for hours on end because we had some good basketball players. Um, Scott Kamenicki, who later pitched for the Yankees for a long time, he was, he was our go-to defender. So we, his nickname was Red. He's got red hair. Whoever the best player was in our team, we would say, Red, that's your guy. Stop him. And uh, <laughs> So the rest of us are not to play as much as much defense, but but uh, yeah, we played a lot of basketball. To this day, I'll uh, the, the the place I work out down in Chicago, um, I will go play some basketball at times. But uh, the body doesn't do what I think it's going to do. You know what it's supposed to do these days, so it's a little more challenging. And um, I play tennis still as well. I play more golf, but but I go out there and hit some tennis balls. I, I enjoy the game. Did you enjoy watching tennis or just uh, mostly playing? You know, back then I I, I like I enjoyed the tennis back in that, in that when I was growing up. You know, the guys like you know I, you know McEnroe and, and and Borg and and Guillermo Vilas and Eli Nastasio, those guys. There, there was a lot of shock making back in those days because of because of the the wood rackets were much you couldn't hit the ball as hard. A lot more angles, a lot more finesse. You know, I watch the game. I watch some tennis now, but not as much. It's 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 a it's a much different game these days. Did you ever play on clay? Yes. Yep. I I, I uh, uh, played on clay a good bit. So uh, uh, I like the clay court game. It's fun. The ball sits up for a very little bit. And it's a lot easier on your knees. So during this whole baseball thing at Michigan. What's your kind of thought process? Are you like are you like in the back of your mind? You know. Uh, I'm going to make the I'm going to go to the major leagues and be, you know, and go to the big show. Is it, what kind of, you know, mental process is that to, to play and think about what you want to do? And are you good enough to do that professionally? Uh, uh, no, it's funny. You know, my, my father was a, was a, a pediatrician and I wanted to go into orthopedics. So I never really thought about playing baseball. I want, I, I, uh, you know, I wanted to go to Davidson because they, they, they had a phenomenal acceptance rate to medical school, and Michigan was the same. So um, I, I was a student who was playing baseball and uh, never really thought about it um, until um, my, my sophomore year. I had a good year and uh, uh, played very well in the regional. And then I had the opportunity um, to play in the Cape Cod League and where you're playing against the best players in the country. And I, and I, I, I hit pretty well out there. And uh, you start to see the other guys getting drafted that you played against, and you, and you start to think, oh, you know, maybe I get drafted. And then by my junior year, I was kind of inundated with labs and a lot of uh, intensive schoolwork that it was making my, my uh, ability to, to practice and play. It, it was challenging. So my dad and I decided after my junior year, during my junior year, that if I had the opportunity to get to, to play professionally, to get drafted, I was going to do that. 
And if had I not been drafted my junior year, I was not going to play anymore. I was just going to go back to school and focus on my schoolwork. So I got drafted, and, and my and I and my dad and I said, "Oh shoot, this will be this will be a fun summer job, you know? It'll 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 be a, a nice diversion from school, and just it'll, I could always say that I that I got a chance to play pro ball." So that was the attitude I, in, 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 with which I entered the game. Then, uh, you know, played pretty well. Uh, my first, my first foray, and then uh, I was in Double A my 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 first full season, and I was in Triple A my second full season. And I think when you get to Triple A, that's when I started thinking, well, I, I might actually get called to the big leagues one of these days. And uh, that's when it became very real. But until that point, I honestly. I, uh, I went back to school after, you know, after I signed and then the first year afterward, I went back to school. My, my intent was to, 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 to continue with my schoolwork. You were number 23 in high school, right? Uh, I, I, I think I found a basketball uh, picture of you and I think you were wearing number 23. Was, was there any um, uh, reason for certain numbers that you wore? Uh, none. <laughs> none, none whatsoever. They gave me 23 when I got to Ann Arbor, um, but uh, the number I, I always I, number nine I always liked nine, but I uh, you know the, the, I was I was like never advocated to, to be given that number just because that was Ted Williams' number, um, and I read a lot about him, but uh, I was just given 23, and then and then I, I wore it a lot after that. Did your batting stance start in high school? Change while it was in college? Stay the same? It changed. It changed throughout the course of my uh, college career and my professional career. And I know everyone uh, that saw me play later, you know, watched me hit with my feet moving. I never hit like that uh, when I was younger. Uh, like when I was in Michigan, I hit out hit out of a, my sophomore year. I eventually hit out of like a low crouch, kind of like Oscar Gamble, if you remember Oscar Gamble. Um, and uh, uh, people wouldn't have not recognized me hitting, but then is I was working with Lou Pinnell in the minor leagues. I started to move my feet a little bit, and that's how I eventually kind of developed that style of hitting. Tell us about the Columbus Clippers and getting, you know, we, we all watch Bull Durham, and, you, oh, you get the call to the show. What was it like getting called up and playing for the New York Yankees? Well, it's funny. So I had – we had a day off in Columbus – and uh, we had an infielder by the name of Jeff Moronko, who, uh, who was married with two little girls. And for whatever reason, they, they invited me to go to Kings Island, which is a theme park just north of Cincinnati, on my off day. And I, and I, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. Well, uh, I went down there, and, and uh, I discovered I hadn't been in a, in a theme park in a long time that the, the roller coasters were not for me. And uh, went on some roller coasters with the girls and a few other things. And I got really, uh, you know, nauseous and sick. So I got home that night and uh, was just happy to, to, to go to sleep and, and to, to like with terra firma underneath me, you know. Um, but then it, it, I get a call at about four o'clock in the morning from our uh, from Kevin Rand, who was the, the, the uh, um, trainer in Columbus. And he said, Hal, uh, you, you got to be you got to be in Toronto by by this afternoon. We got a plane ticket for you. And, and he didn't tell me that I was getting called up to the big leagues. You know, I had to, I had to kind of, I had to put that together real quick. Um, and and uh, uh, when I realized that I was being called up to the big leagues, 
immediately called my mom and my dad. And uh, um, that was probably most, uh, that was probably the highlight of my career right there. Just getting called, that, that call, um, you know, just even to play in the big leagues for a day, it's something you've dreamed of your whole life. And uh, just knowing I was going to put on the Yankee pinstripes and, uh, you know, play where Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth had played, um, it was, it was uh, kind of out of this world. So uh, I, I got up there and, and uh, uh, went to the hotel in Toronto, and uh, I immediately learned that playing for the New York Yankees is unlike anything else in baseball because the zoo was a hotel. There are Yankee fans everywhere, and uh, it's just a different, it's a different uh, world when you're playing for the Yankees. By the way, Kings Island is the best amusement park in the world, hands down. You probably got your butt whipped by the beast. Or by the racer is probably what you what you made the mistake of doing. Well, the, there were several rides that took care of me, and, and those girls were loving it. But I, I don't I don't know if I've been back to I, I I can tell you I haven't been on a roller coaster ride since that day, you know, and that's that was 31 years ago, <laughs> 32 years ago. Okay, here's a dumb question. This is this question yeah. you may have never been asked. So so on the day that you're on AAA, you're making a money. When you go yeah. to the big show, do you immediately get a raise? Yes. Yeah. We, I was, uh, I was, I've always wondered how that worked. Yeah. That, that's how it works. Yeah. Immediately. So, so they, they put you on the major league roster and back at the, back then when I first signed, I was making $700 a month during the, the season in low a when, and then, then you went to, to high a was, as I recall, $900 a month, double a was $1,100. And I think triple a was $1,300 a month for triple a, but you immediately go in, uh, you start getting making um, the major league salary, which at the time was $68,000, $68,500, which was a huge raise, you know? So yeah, you start getting paid differently and, and it, it's, uh, you know, the, the big league meal money is much different too. So you, you, you make more money in meal money in the big leagues than you do with your salary back then. You know, that was the case. Um, do you still have your first hit, uh, the baseball? I do have it. Yes. Yep. I've got that. Um, it's, it's, it's here somewhere. Um, and it was, I got a, I got a, a base hit to left field, my first at bat, you know, against Dwayne Ward. Um, I, it was, it was a, an interesting day, but yeah, I do have that somewhere. So, so you're like, you know, I've just got my first hit, you know, everything's going good. I'm going to be a Yankee. How do things transpire? And all of a sudden you're a Cincinnati red. Well, you know, I, uh, um, you know, Don Mattingly was the first baseman for the for the Yankees at the time, and he was the best first baseman in baseball, uh, an MVP candidate every single year. Um, I, I knew I was not going to play first base for the Yankees. Um, they tried playing in the outfield some. Uh, I wasn't a great outfielder. You know, I, I think I was a pretty good de defensive first baseman, but the outfield, I just never played there my whole life. Um, so it was apparent that I was going to 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 uh, get moved. Now, in my second year. I went back and forth uh, for parts of two years with, the, with going back between Portland and Columbus and, and New York. After my second year, they wanted to send me to Puerto Rico to play, to play winter ball, learn how to play the outfield more. And uh, I had been hurt in Seattle in September. I had popped my hamstring and I, and, I, and I wasn't healthy enough to go down there. So when they ascertained that I wasn't healthy enough to go down there, they traded for Mel Hall like uh, uh, two or three days later which kind of, which, which for all intents and purposes, 
uh, uh, signal that they're going to trade me. So uh, they traded me to the to the to the Reds, and uh, I remember getting that call. Um, and um, it was funny. I, I didn't know a lot about the Reds. I just knew I didn't like them because they they used to come in and wear out the Cubs every year. The two teams I really hated were the Phillies and the and the Reds because they would you know in the 70s. The, the Cubs would get crushed by those guys. Um, so, uh, uh, but I, you know, I knew that Larkin and Sabo were down there who were a couple of Michigan guys. Um, and I, that's how I ended up over there. What is your relationship with uh, both those guys, by the way? Are you, did you guys, while you were at Michigan, uh, bond a really good friendship? Is it something that you guys will text or uh, chat with each other once, twice a week? Well, uh, I, uh, um, Sabo signed before I got there. So he, 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 he left, he was there the year before I got there. So I didn't play with Chris in the Ann Arbor, but uh, he and I became very good friends when we were in Cincinnati. Uh, we still communicate often. Um, and I, I, uh, was, uh, very close with Barry as well. We lived, we, we, he was a year ahead of me, but I was very close with that group of guys. Uh, we lived in a house together my junior year after Barry had signed, he came back and he lived, he lived with us. Uh, so, uh, I don't talk to Barry as much as I do Chris, but you know, w- with all those guys from that from those teams, you know, when I see them, it's it's just like uh, uh, you know we haven't uh, missed a beat, just, just like it would have been uh, 30 years ago. You know, we could do a Ken Burns documentary on the the 1990 season and make it eight or nine parts, but. What was your initial reaction getting to Cincinnati? Did you see that you guys had something special or how long did it take you to get into the season to go, man, you know what? Number one, this is fun. Number two, uh, I'm hitting great. And number three, I I think possibly, you know, good things could happen from this team. Well, our our, our first day of uh, spring training, now the, the Reds had been good. They had been in second place, uh, in the, in the uh, National League West, two of the three prior years or three of the four prior years, they had a talented team, but, but, but uh, uh, Lou Pinella called us together and he said, guys, he said, listen, uh, you've been close the last couple of years. You know, you've been very close. Um, he said, we're going to win it this year. We're, we are going to win. He said, we've got a lot of talent in this room and there, there's no – reason no excuse for us not to win and that is my expectation my anticipation and um we looked at each other now again i was i didn't know anyone in that you know i I didn't know a lot of the guys but uh there there was clearly uh, a look of recognition in that room and you know everyone it was that that was the expectation from day one and we went out and we started off nine and oh and we went down we swept the astros the astros had had a good club um, and we just kind of blew them out of the ballpark. Um, and uh, I, I think it became apparent to everyone that we had a lot of, that we were very talented and that we could win. Um, you know, when you get into the, the, the playoff series, you know, anything can happen. But in retrospect, we were a team that was very, very well constructed to play in a playoff series. Um, we had, a, the best bullpen pr- maybe in the history of the game up to that point. You know, we had these three dominant relievers. We had power right-handed pitching in Jose Rijo and, and Jack Armstrong, but we also, Danny Jackson, Tom Brown, we had great starting pitching, um, but, we, but we also had an excellent defensive team with a lot of speed. 
um, and, and contact hitters. And, and if you look at it, the, the teams with the, that have a lot of – that have those power bullpens, a lot of you know, high strikeouts per nine, that play good defense with contact hitters, they play well in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think – in retrospect, I think people just they, – they, they underrated us that year. Uh, does Lou Pinella have a uh, sense of humor? Oh, he sure does, boy. He, he's, 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 got a, he's got a wicked sense of humor, but he's also got a wicked temper. <laughs> so, that, that, you know, uh, ho- hopefully he's in a good mood when you're talking to him. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Lou, Lou uh, was always a fun guy to be around, for, you know, for various reasons at various times. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, uh, really owe uh, – a great debt of great debt of gratitude to him for my career. You know, he traded for me from New York. He worked with me when I was with the Yankees, and helped me uh, tremendously. And and uh, I think I think the world will lose. Okay, so you know, I already asked the dumb question about pay and stuff like that. Here's another dumb question: Is Lou Pinella is the only person that looks like he must have an odd shaped head because his hats never fit his head? Uh, that that's. Uh, you know what? He, he he had this nervous tick, I think, where he used to sit here and he was always, you know, he was always adjusting the bill of his cap like this. If you watch any film of him, he, this is what he's doing. So <laughs> we used to, the guys used to used to imitate him, and you know, and all the time now they'd be sitting in their dugout doing this, you know. Um, but uh, I think his hat fit. I just don't think he. I think he liked moving around a bit. You, you know. Uh, I, I was a, like I said, I was born and raised in Indianapolis, went to Indianapolis Indians games, got to see the, the big red machine come to town for a couple of exhibition games. So yeah. I, I was a Reds fan. So, you know, starting that, you know, wire to wire and then, um, you know, uh, uh, winning the World Series. And as a fan, you guys plowed through that World Series and it, it, it was it was like anticlimactic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but because I'm a fan, you know, I went, I, you know, I got the wire to wire t-shirt. I got the, you know, I got everything associated with it, but I guess for some other baseball fans, it may not have been exciting, but it was truly just a, a dominant, um, uh, 1990, one of the most dominant baseball seasons in the history of the game. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that, uh, you know, when we went into the, to the, to that series with Oakland, um, they, they had swept, the Red Sox. So they had a few days off. So that's not, that's not always an advantage. You, a lot of times in baseball, you're better off if you keep playing, you're in a rhythm. And I think that, I think that they were a little stale when, the, in the, when we, when we played that first game and they had, they had had a dominant team and I don't really I think they really knew what they were getting in us. Um, and um, you know, we, we jumped out on top of them uh, and won that first game. And then, Real, real quickly, we, we, we won the next two as well. Um, and uh, I think they just anticipated that, that, uh, uh, that they were so good that they were going to come back and overwhelm us. And, 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 it, and it, just, it just didn't happen, you know. And, and we, we were happy that, that uh, I think they were so stunned that we had jumped out that, that, that uh, they, they just didn't react until it was over. And, you know, just from a fan's perspective, not a player's perspective, you know, I was really, listen to me, I was really worried about the A's. I didn't think you guys were going to beat the A's. 
listen, I, I, you know, I, I remember I, I was sitting in our, in our, uh, in our food room there, our, our lounge in Cincinnati before the first game. And I mean, they had a, if you look at that, their team, they had an unbelievable team, um, a fantastic team, you know, Hall of Famers, they, they were loaded. Um, but uh, I was sitting there in our, in our advanced scout, uh, guy by the name of Jimmy Stewart walked in and he said, Hey, listen, he said, fellas, I just got off the phone with Mel Didier. Now, Mel Didier was the, the Dodgers. He was their advanced scout. He was a legendary scout. And um, if, you, if you listen to Kirk Gibson talk about that home run he hit off of, of uh, Dennis Eckersley in the 88 World Series, he t- says, listen, Mel Didier told me that this guy's going to 3-2, he's likes to throw, he's going to throw you a backdoor slider. And Gibson talks about how, well, when I got to 3-2, I, Mel had told me to look for the slider, and I did, you know. So this is the same guy. And, uh, and, and Mel, you know, Jimmy said, listen, Mel just told me you can beat these guys with power right-handed arm, you know, with power right-handed arm. He said, and, and, uh, and just about the same time, Lou walks into the, to the room and he, said, and he said, and fellas, that's what we got. He said, he said, we've got the power right-handed arms. He said, he said, he said we're going to, you know, he's again, messing with his hat. He said, we're going to win. We are going to beat these guys. And then Tony Perez walks in right behind him. And Tony says, oh, yeah, we're going to win. Now, here I am, you know, I was 25, but I was still a rookie. But here you've got the Tony Press who, you know, played on these championship teams with the Reds, greatest teams ever, and the Lupinella. And they meant that you could see the conviction in their eyes. They, they, they really thought that, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to win these. We're going to beat these guys. And that's when I finally thought, you know, maybe we can beat these guys, you know. And, and, again, looking around the room, everyone in that room was like, yeah, we're going. Let's do it. You know, so <laughs> there uh, – that helped that, that, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, moments like that, that uh, can, can kind of turn the tide psychologically. What was, do you remember the moment, you know, the third out, you guys are world series champions. What, what kind of thoughts raced through your mind? Did it go by so quick that you didn't really didn't grab it or what was the, what was the excitement or the, the just your, your thought process? You know, I, I'm, 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 you know, Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, you know, I, I, a big red machine. I am a Cincinnati red world series champion. Well, you know, uh, to, 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 you know, there's just, there's a sense of elation that you can't really uh, describe. Uh, you know, it, the, the, the major league season, it's a long, long season. You know, you start you start playing in in February, but you be, you start preparing back in November. You know, early November, it's a long grind, and you you, you build toward this moment, and you build this moment for your entire life, really, as a ball player. And then to um, you know uh, to to win to 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 know that um, you you've done it, that you're I will you will always be a world champion. That 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 uh, that this you have the best team in the world. It's uh, um, it's almost it's overwhelming. You know, it, it's uh, emotions that you really just you can't you can't relate. What what are you? I mean, do you have a great memory? Did you love being the Cincinnati Red? I did. I I really you know what I I I I took a lot of pride in in in, in the playing for the Reds much different than New York, you know, the, 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 the Yankees are, New York is New York, but, uh, you know, playing in Cincinnati, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're a fabric of the, you're, you're, you're part of the, the fabric of the, of the community there, you know, and, and, 
it's, it's uh, you know, as you are in New York, but it's, it's different, you know, it's a different way in a, in a, in a town like Cincinnati, you know, um, you know, the, 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 the people, you know, uh, are around that town, you know, they, they, they uh, are live and die with those games and, and it means a lot to them and uh, to that region down there. And uh, I, I think that, that uh, it was never lost on us, you know, and, and, and we, we, um, we appreciated their support and wanted to win for those, for the people down there. During your baseball career, I, I'm assuming it was uh, first part of this question. I'm assuming it was fun to go and play the Cubbies and family probably came and see you and you, you know, you probably enjoyed, you know, just the history of Wrigley field, but besides Wrigley, what are some of your favorite ballparks that you love to play in and which are, which are some of the ballparks that you were like, you know, I could, I could actually do without and would rather go back, you know, would rather just skip the series. Well, a lot of that depended upon, you know, where you saw the ball well and, and how you hit in, in the different parks. Um, but playing in Ridley Field was, 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 always, uh, was always special. Uh, playing in Fenway Park, I got the chance to play there. Um, that was memorable. The, the older parks, you know, the, the parks uh, with history, you know, playing in Tiger Stadium, um, the, the, the old parks before they were torn down. Uh, that was always uh, very, very special. Um, but uh, um, I loved, uh, I, I liked playing in Philadelphia. I loved playing their tough crowd. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I always liked playing in Philly. I liked playing in New York, too. There was always a lot of electricity in, in, in those ballparks. Um, the, uh, um, the West Coast, you know, playing in, in L.A. and San Diego, different vibe, you know very much much more of a relaxed uh, atmosphere it's good for baseball but but it's different uh, but you know what there there um there are very few parks that i didn't enjoy playing in i i think that montreal was a pretty tough park it was kind of hard to see up there but i was always fun going to montreal too uh culturally it was it was it was just always a different experience you know do you ever think you know if, if it wasn't for the game of baseball if it wasn't for the game of baseball what opportunities would you have not gotten or what are some of the opportunities you got or people that you got to meet that you probably wouldn't have if you would not have played the great game of baseball wow i mean uh my life has been so enriched by the the opportunities i've I, i've been given due to baseball um i mean i've i've, I've gotten to, to to know this country you know the the uh, the travel that we did, um, both as a minor leaguer and as, as a big league player, um, not many people get the opportunity to do that. You know, to 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 to, to stay in the San Francisco, New York, uh, you know, Atlanta, Miami, you name it, Houston, Philly, to get to know these areas, um, and you know, we would we would we would get a chance to to, to dine at great restaurants. Um, and just getting to know the pe people around the country, that, 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 that's, that was a, a real gift. Um, but uh, the, the players I played with, uh, you know, th those are the relationships and those, those are the, the uh, experiences I think that you, you cherish the most, you know, uh, playing with guys from all over the world, Japan, uh, Dominican, Venezuela, Panama, learning about all these different cultures too. And then, you know, everyone you're introduced to along the way, you get a lot, you get to meet a lot of interesting people. I was, Rob Dibble and I are good friends and Rob and I, uh, we had the, the, the program director for, for one of the radio stations on there used to take us to any concert we wanted to go to. And we got a chance to, to meet 
you name it. You know, we, we like, we like rock and heavy metal and stuff. So, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen just passed. Got to, got to, got to meet those guys. Wow. Uh, you, you name it. There's probably a band. That, that we got to meet so many bands and get to know these guys pretty well that that was pretty cool too. <laughs> wow. Very neat. Very neat. And very sad about Eddie. Very sad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what is the mindset of a baseball player? I mean, I guess I'm just asking yours. Do you know when it's close that you're like, you know, it, it's coming to an end? Is, is, is it sad or do you, do you kind of overcompensate by thinking about what am I going to do after this game rather than focus on, you know, it's, it's about time to hang the cleats up. Well, I think there's a, I think there's a sense of relief, you know, uh, in, in one respect, uh, as you get older, it's, it's harder to, to keep yourself healthy. You know, I, I, uh, the Achilles Hill, so to speak, of my career was, was my health. Um, but as you get older, it gets, it just, it's harder to stay healthy. Um, and, um, I think when you're thinking about shutting it down, you realize that you're not going to have to go to all the effort, uh, to, 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 to get yourself in, 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 in the shape to play. And, uh, it's not the work you don't mind. It's, 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 it's more of the, um, the rehab and the surgeries and, and, uh, that you, that you, uh, uh, are, are looking, you don't mind, you know, uh, putting those in the rear view mirror. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, oftentimes players are, are prepared enough to, to, to transition. Um, it's a very difficult transition, and guys struggle with it um, only because you've grown up obsessed with this game since, since a very small age. And unless you uh, had planned a transition to something else in the game, um, you're, you're uh, probably not prepared for what you're the, the kind of, the, kind of the, the second or third act in your life is going to be. And, um, um, even if you do something else in the game, I, I scouted and I worked for teams after I retired. It's, it's, there's nothing like being down the dugout and actually playing. So what, what do you do? What does Hal Morris do in retirement? I mean, you, you play a lot of golf. Do you have a lot of business ventures that you do or? Yeah, I, I play some golf, but I'm, I'm working for a, uh, for a, for a San Francisco based fund and, uh, a private equity fund. And, and, uh, we work, uh, uh, we work with athletes and uh, we, we actually make investments in the athletes themselves. So uh, I, I'm so close to the game. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, after I retired, I ended up going back and, and I, I scouted for uh, three years and then I was the angels professional scouting director for five. So I still have relationships with all the guys I got to know scouting and they're what a group, what a good group of guys, all the scouts are. So I stay in touch with all those guys all the time to kind of see what's going on in the game. How has the game changed since Hal Morris played it? Well, there, uh, there's a lot more velocity in the game these days. Um, and uh, the, the upper end velocity, you know, you, you can only throw, it's only, uh, you know, you're only capable of throwing so hard. So it's not that guys are throwing harder. It's just you see more of them that throw hard. You know, I think no one threw as hard as Nolan Ryan. Um, but you see a lot more velocity. Uh, and you see a lot more emphasis on the, the hitting has changed a lot. You know, you see a lot more em emphasis on hitting the ball, the ballpark. And uh, when I was playing, there was more contact. There was, there was, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, the stolen base was much more of a factor, hit and run. The game, you know, the game is, uh, you know, it's, it's transition in that sense, but not to say that it, you can't go back in the other direction. 
how do you think Major League Baseball did during the pandemic? How, how well do you think they pulled that off? You know what? I, I, think, I think they did a good job, frankly. Um, in retrospect, I think they would have played more games. Uh, they, probably, they probably could have played 100 plus. Now, I know there were economic issues involved. Um, but I, I thought they did an admirable, admirable job. And I do think that the game will be back uh, to normal by hopefully by May of next year. Maybe they, they delay the season next year. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, they did the best they could given the, the hand they were dealt. Best pitcher you ever faced? Uh, well, uh, Mariana Rivera. I, I, I only faced him one time, but I really didn't know what to do with that cutter that he threw. And I, 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 there hasn't, I have righties pretty well, and I felt comfortable hitting righties, whatever they threw. But that's when I was left scratching my head, one at bat over my entire career. I thought, hmm, I'm not really sure what to do with that. Um, and then uh, Randy Johnson. You know, I told you he was pitching there in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, he was a guy, if you're left-handed, you really don't want to face. What was the damn moment? Like, that? you know, uh, when you first uh, uh, got to the big leagues, like, you know, ooh, wow. You know, uh, it did something, you know, a, a pitcher or a pitch went past you or something happened that you were just like, welcome to the big leagues. You know, frankly, it was, it was walking out on the dugout with the Yankees because, you know, they had – uh, Ricky Henderson, Dave Winfield, Don Mattingly, Jack Clark, uh, Ron Guidry, Tommy John, you know, Willie Randolph. I could, I could run through the whole roster. These guys are all like all-stars. And just seeing these guys play, uh, I remember, um, and, and frankly, watching Don Mattingly work. I remember telling, I thought I was a hard worker, but I told my dad, I said, no one works. I don't work as hard as Don. I don't work as hard as he does. And, and, and it, it made me realize uh, I needed to work harder. And I needed to get stronger. I needed, I needed, to, I needed to, to, to lift weights. But, again, you know, watching those guys play, it was a, it's a different game in the big leagues than it is in AAA. And I remember Eric Davis told me when I was with the Yankees, he said, you know, I first got there, he said, hey, kid. He said, there are no superstars in AAA. <laughs> and, of course, Don Manley from Evansville and Tommy John was from Terre Haute, Indiana. So. Yep, and, and uh, Don took me under his wing and, and for the short time I was there. And, it couldn't have been a better guy. I, I, everything you think that he is, he is. Do you consider yourself from Alabama? Do you consider yourself a Hoosier? Do you consider yourself from Indiana? What do you say when someone says, where are you from? I, I, I tell them I'm from Indiana. You know, I was born in Alabama, but, but, but uh, I, 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 I tell them I'm from Indiana, then I, I will tell them I'm from Munster, then I'll explain I'm from the – I try to explain I'm just west of Gary and Hammond because people aren't too familiar with that northwest Indiana. So I try to kind of spell it out for them. And at one time, you know, I think when I went to Michigan, I probably said that I was from Chicago. But, but no, I mean, in the last 30 years, I've been from Indiana. You know, it was interesting. It's been a while, but someone uh, said, you know why the uh, – we, we were talking about Michigan earlier. You know why the wind blows north in Indiana? Why is that? Because Michigan sucks. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, Hal Morris, it's been, I, I ran long. It's been an incredible uh, uh, conversation. I think everyone will enjoy this. I appreciate your, your time and uh, thank you so much. Anytime, Billy. I had a great time. All right. Appreciate it.